you're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to wespeakcommon.com. This week, I'm joined by Heavy Arms to talk about the big question. What do players want? We'll talk around it as a DM, as a content creator, but also as a player yourself. Welcome to We Speak Common. And welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone, because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon, your one-stop shop for beautiful premium D&D dice sets. Whether you want them made of glass, resin, metal, there's so many nice metal sets on there right now, including ones that have dragons in them. So if you're into dragons like James is, go and check them out. You can use a link in the description below to head over to the Dice Dungeon website and you can use the code we speak common on checkout to get 10% off your entire order. Everything in your basket, 10% off. The more you spend, the more you save. That's what I like to say. Uh, we're also brought to you in partnership with Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Describe.com is the place to go if you're not very good at writing box text or creatively describing spells and monsters. They have professionals doing just that for you. They've got scenes, items, spells, creatures. Uh, They've even got first person stuff for your players now. Go have a look, check it out. There's a bunch of free scenes available for you to use right now. And if you like what you're seeing, you can subscribe to over four and a half thousand scenes and growing with 10% off your monthly subscription for the first two years using the code COMMON at checkout. There'll be a link below the episode for that too. Um, That's it for the sponsors this this, episode. I was going to say this morning, it's just the start of the episode. It's a bit early for that. Uh, but we will, of course, at some point talk about them during this episode. Right now, though, I want to welcome to We Speak Common for the very first time, and I'm very excited about this, Heavy Arms. Hello. Hi, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here. A long-time <laughs> listener, first-time caller. Oh, I love it. That's uh, that's hit me in the geeky radio <laughs> vibes there. Oh, yeah. Long, long time listener, first time cool. I love it. Uh, how you doing, my friend? How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. As you know, it's a little bit later over here. But yeah, I've been looking forward to this as well. As you said, we've been meaning to get this set up for quite a while. So it's nice to finally yeah. pull the trigger on it. I think we've had like the, the, the this penciled in for since before new year it's been it's been a long time coming um so yeah absolutely looking forward to it and and i'm i'm excited to pick your brains and talk to you because and and i've said this many times um so please forgive me if i sound like a bit of a fangirl but i think one of your pieces uh of third party content for dnd 5e is one of if not the only piece i have taken to every single game every single table like it's a it's a staple at my table now so um yeah very excited to to chat to you today can you guess which one it is since i've only released two things in total i'm gonna guess it's so well i've got a 50 50 shot anyway and uh, since i listened to your show and i know which one it is i guess i'll have to go with the armorer's handbook yes it's so good it's so good <laughs> honestly i don't know how you like well, I can probably I could probably guess how you came up with the ideas and things, but the way you pulled it off, I yeah, Mwah. chef's kisses. Oh, thank you very much. It's uh, I, that was a really interesting ride. I was expecting nothing to come of that, to be honest. Um, mm. 
I mean, my history with homebrew, I, I don't really have too much, to be honest, in terms of publishing it. I'm, I think I can tell you is there's, there's a vast difference between making something for yourself, um, you know, for your home game, and publishing it. Like yeah. the amount of the amount of stuff, the amount of things you have to fix and corners you have, you know, edges you have to smooth off, and all that stuff going from A to B is just massive. Um, yeah. The first thing I actually made was a was a a potion crafting system, um, which was a couple of years before the Armor's Handbook, and I posted that on Reddit. And the Armor's Handbook is actually something I was going to put on Reddit as well, but uh, <laughs> basically. Um, no one really knew about the alchemy thing. You know, there mm. were probably a couple of dozen people. Um, so basically, I, I took it to the DMs Guild just to see if as, as, as a way to get it in front of more people. It wasn't really a, kind of a to make some money off it or anything like that. It was just I wanted to see if more people could find my stuff and enjoy it. And, you know, hit a home run with that one. But uh, I can't say it was uh, expected. Mm. Very welcome, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's sometimes the best. The unexpected ones are the are the best ones. Um, mm. You might have to you might have to dig out that potion stuff for me because I know James would love to read that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if uh, anyone can go into Google and just, uh, I think you just need the search term alchemy almanac. Almanac's a bit of an archaic. Uh, yeah, term. but there you go. You just just Google that, and it'll, the Reddit post will pop up. Um, that's that's pushing four years old now, though. Um, and actually, mm. the next thing I'm going to put out tentative date with the artist. Um, I'm, I'm having a full series of illustrations commissioned for it because I'm irresponsible like that. <laughs> um, tentative date for that is the end of June, and it's it's been. 90% done for quite a while, but um, oh. it's been waiting on art for quite a long time. So basically a revised version of that, which is, which is going to be oh, amazing. Uh, I hope it'll be quite, I hope it'll be quite special. I'm, 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 we've been using it for a while now and I'm quite, I'm, I'm really happy with it. Nice. Well, I look forward to that. I know James will love that. He's a big, big into alchemy and mixing and, and that kind of stuff. So he'll be telling me to use it and I will probably be saying, all right, all right, let me read this. <laughs> well, hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> yeah. much, much like the Armour's Handbook, you know, the, the, the idea of, of, of things like that is to um, just make, make it as easy for, for the DM to buy into it as possible. Mm, yeah. And I think that's a good, it's a good philosophy. It's a good philosophy to have for sure. Um, how did you first get into D&D before we, we leap in? I always like to ask people who are new to the show this question, like where did it all begin for you? Sure. Um, God, when did it start for me? Well, I started listening to getting into podcasts and this isn't going the way of Critical Role. Mm. So don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I started getting into podcasts probably in 2015, something like that. Um, cause, cause I live out in Turkey. Um, so actually listening to podcasts was kind of almost a way to, you know, it's, it's just keep up with, um, you know, we don't get English TV over here basically. So it's just yeah. kind of nice to have a bit of, uh, bit of English, um, radio kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I listened to this small, I don't know how I found it, I must have just searched gaming podcasts because you know, I'm into video games. Um, and there's this small thing I, I landed on and stuck on called Talking Games. And I don't think it, it's still going anymore. Um, and those guys who presented that show, they did a spin-off. Uh, they started doing a spin-off D&D series, um, which was early 2017. Um, and I tuned into that, and, and I, re I only remember exactly when it was because I was listening to the first handful of episodes while I was playing Horizon Zero Dawn, which mm. was early 2017. So I, I have a very 
uh, strong memory of, you know, that's when I started listening to it. And I probably listened to that show for six months, something like that. Um, and it came up in conversation, like during one of their episodes, that they got into it off this show called Taz, The Adventure Zone. Yes. Um, and I dived into Taz and I absolutely loved it. Um, the, uh, the the second series, I can't remember what it was, the Rockport Express, was it? Yep. I've never laughed out loud listening to radio before, but I was listening, laughing out loud to that show constantly. And that's what got me into it. Um, so I probably started playing late 2017 um, for a couple of months, maybe. Um, the thing about me is I either do, I either, um, I either do something or I don't, I'm either all in or I'm not in at all. Yeah. Um, so I'm one of those new players who got into D and D and absolutely devoured it. Yeah. I'm like that. I'm not um, exactly the yeah, same. Yeah. Sat reading the books, learning everything, all that stuff. And, and every session I wanted to play a new character cause it's like, right, well I've learned 500 new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't that I got bored of the characters I was playing and stuff, but it was, I was learning so much, um, that I kept wanting to try new things. Um, so I, I, I played in a couple of different games, but it didn't take me long actually to reach the stage of actually, I need to be a DM cause I'm currently at this place where I'm so into it. It's my thing that, um, there's not enough for me as a player to like keep me, uh, to, to keep my brain occupied for the whole week. Mm. I'm, I'm the same. I absolutely like I, I always say at the end of this campaign, I'm going to take like a couple of months off of DMing and, and leap yeah. back into being a player. And actually, I say that now, but I know that given a couple of weeks, I'll be itching to be back in the chair. Yeah, that's the that's the untold secret of DMs all over, I think, because mm-hmm. we, we all love to complain about, you know, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we got a chance to be a player and stuff, I'll be honest. I couldn't be a player for more than a couple of months without being at least a DM in a different campaign. It'd do, my, it'd do my tree and I wouldn't have enough. Yeah. It wouldn't be enough for me. Yeah, I I, t- I totally feel that. Yeah, I mean, my ideal situ- my ideal setting is actually probably um, uh, you know the fabled table of five DMs, and you know you have a rotating chair. That sounds great. Oh no, you say that. We I've I've got three other people who are preparing to I say preparing we've been preparing for about six months to start running uh, the Witcher RPG and I've told them that it's happening like when it's one of my new year's resolutions that we're going to start it but we're going to rotate around um, DMing Mm. those games so that our group is the same players but you know it's episodic and sometimes one person's there and sometimes another person's there and I'm really looking forward to doing that Mm. is it a proper episodic game then or is it you're going to do it like a West Marches type thing uh, it can be episodic. I uh, reading their um, their adventures. They're written very much like encounter to encounter. There's not a lot of that story beat stuff in between. You kind of make that up. And I think our pedigree of five E and storytelling means that we put that in ourselves with any game we play, regardless of the system. Anyway, so yeah, true. I, I think um, I, I don't think it would be tricky to make it episodic at all. Like you'd finish the the adventure, the quest, and then you can jump forward a few months days weeks years whatever and uh, the group's slightly different in terms of people but it wouldn't be weird no no that sounds really good you know it, it, enough to keep enough to change it up as well oh yeah definitely and we'll to give everyone fresh. a go as well because like i yeah i ran the starter set for them and was really into it but i want to play it too because it's new so it'll be good to have that rotating chair yeah um, it's very hard to do i imagine it must be very hard to dm uh, anything if you haven't had the player experience first 
yeah, it can be. You get that though. Yeah. And I think it's easier to be a player oh, sure. if you've had the DM experience too. But uh, and I, I will one day somehow find a reason to launch a Witcher RPG focused show on this network. It will happen, but we'll, we'll give it time. Um, what we were going to talk about today is actually, I, I, I'm very excited to jump into this because I think there's quite a meaty conversation here in terms of as a creator, as a DM, as a player, like on all sides. But I, I shot you a message and I said, hey, I know I've got a few topics that are like lined up that I haven't done yet that I, I, I want to tackle. And one of them was around making inventory meaningful in D&D. And, and it's, it's a topic that I think I'll come back to another time because I'm not sure we're going to touch it today, but we might. Um, we might. And you said that you felt it fell uh, you felt it fell under it's a fun sentence um a, a broader topic that you call you know like what players want and instantly i was like okay i like this let's talk about this <laughs> what do players want and what does that mean as a player as a dm as a creator and just kind of how you can use that knowledge to be better at d- doing any of those and all of those things um so i guess my I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the ball at you straight away and be like, what what does that kind of topic, what players want, mean to you? It's quite a big topic, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge one. You said we've got an hour for this. We'll see about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for me, and and this is gonna this is gonna go back and forth between my experiences you know player dm design all these different things um, um it's difficult to put it in different boxes um but for me uh, and, and the thing you'll come to quickly realize about me is mm-hmm. um i'm very much a first principles guy mm-hmm. um everything starts at the start so if you are asking me you know how to make inventory meaningful as you did um that goes all the way back to me to rewind to the very start of um well firstly who's that for um and when you're introducing something such as inventory and inventory is a player facing system it's 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 not for you as the dm um so the purpose of something like that really is to facilitate a player need you know a, a player interest um, so, you know, my, my, my immediate answer to that question when you asked it is, well, who's asking that question? Because mm. if the DM is asking that question, um, not at the request of a player or having seen any express interest from a player, um, I would first ask, does anyone actually want this? Um, mm-hmm. And if nobody does, then that's the end of it right there. Um, th- there's no, I, I don't believe, and, and again, um, a lot of this is going to be uh, my opinion, my experience. I'm not saying I'm right. This is Controversial just... hot takes is what we're going to have. Exactly, here. exactly. Yeah. Caveat emptor, hot takes incoming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, everything that's player-facing really is there to facilitate the players doing the player's thing. Um, you know, the DM's, the DM's job is uh, set dressing, you know, pre- presenting the world and the player's job is uh, messing around in that world. And, and a lot of the joy of being a DM actually is, you know, you set up the, uh, you set up the diorama and you get to see what other people do with it. You know, that's mm-hmm. your fun. Um, if you're not, if you're not having that, um, if you're just, 
winding up, you know, your your toy soldiers and expecting them to you know, do this thing that you've had planned for them, and you're basically uh, having your players act out your idea, then. <laughs> And that's what you're really getting out of it. Yeah, it's not really D and D at that point, is it? Um, and, I, and I think we've we've said that so many times in many different ways. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm happy to having to be having this conversation right off the back of your last two episodes, which is about what were they players as co-authors mm. and uh, running your own setting. Because they all you sort of doing amalgamate your own into this research thing. too. You know, not really. The not, hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'll take um, it. I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in those episodes. And, and for me, I kind of want to carry on the conversations that was raised in those episodes from the perspective of like, right, so um, what what's important in, in the mechanics of the game itself? Um, mm. Because, you know, the, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of great advice around, you know, collaborative storytelling and... Uh, and kind of group dynamics, but um, and this is something a, a, a good friend of mine said once, um, which really stuck with me is that um, at the end of the day, the a game, and if it's going to be a game, it's got to have games, got to have rules. If, mm-hmm. if games don't have any rules, then they're just a conversation. Um, yeah. So you you really need to think about okay, so what rules, what rules am I employing that kind of facilitate um to facilitate the enjoyments from both sides yeah it's it's an interesting one because i've always said that too like for us at my table personally and and for people who i think have for lack of a better way of saying it that that kind of critical role mentality of story first i think five years become very story first but i'm always very focused on the fact that it's also a game and like you know if your if your character dies like before their their big climactic swan song like okay yes that's going to be sad and you're going to have to deal with that and and maybe it's going to be uh what's the word i'm looking for um dissatisfying in terms of that their climax didn't come off but that's when i come in i say okay but remember it's a game it's how the dice rolls that's the reason we like it we like it for the randomness and stuff as well uh and and it's interesting going back to like the, the phrase what players want i often think of that in sense of like what do my players want what do what does my table yeah. want what's my group want? absolutely um Perfect. absolutely the, the rules facilitate your story and, and, and that's it rules are facilitators um, do you find though if, that there's like a is there a, a shadow question that's what does the dm want because we you were talking about uh you know if you're the if you're setting up your toy soldiers and you want them to go the way they're going to go mm-hmm. what you know it's not really D and i agree with you but do you do you feel like because i look at a dm and i go okay a dm isn't a player in the sense that we have this dichotomy but at the same time the dm is a player at the table and they get their enjoyment of it and all of that but it comes from different areas so do you think there's a, a mirror question of of what does what does the dm want and if so does yeah. that then become the systems that aren't player facing particularly Perhaps, um, you know, we, we, we will both have lots to say on this topic, I'm sure. Um, for me, what the, you know, what the DM gets to do is um, the privilege of being in the chair is you get to choose the world, the setting, the tone. You know, you get to dress the set. Um, and what the player gets is to 
mess around within these constraints that you've set. Um, mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you know, they have this, um, they obviously have rule zero, which is, you know, you can do whatever you want, just figure it out with the DM. But that's difficult. Um, mm-hmm. What they have is all their all their character sheet and all their abilities and all these all these supplementary rules and, and everything that you may have gathered together and cut and chopped and changed and that's what they have to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, again, when it comes to what players want, um, it's it's a very uh, individual thing. Um, you know, we've got this, uh, you know, the armor's handbook, you know, some people might want to take advantage of, you know, different aspects of that system. Some people might want to improve a weapon, improve armor, you know, do, do all these crafting things here and there. Um, so, you know, someone one might to be an alchemist and create potions and go off and gather herbs and all these things. But it's only really worth employing things that people are interested in mm. yeah. and trying to try to find, find, trying to find a thing that you like as a DM and saying, you know, this is going to be a rule in the game as well, because I like it. It's a player rule, but you're not a player. Like, I, I think it's a bit of a waste of space. Um, it, <laughs> it needs that initial spark of interest. Yeah. It, it takes me back to that kind of, uh, the example that I've given and I've, I've found myself in before where you go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to give my players a home base because it would be really cool if they had a home base and, and they were invested in a town or a city and then I could attack the base and they'd have to deal with that. And I could do this and all this. And then they just, yeah. they spend one session there and they never go back. It's like, if they're not interested, yeah. they're not going to use it. Um, yeah. I, I do think there are systems that I've put into my game that are more for me than my players though like when i think about it there's definitely stuff based around i mean i'm running in Faerun, so there's there's stuff around Faerunian law that like i've put in because i've gone that's cool i'd like to put that in the world and i'd like there to be like a consequence so for example um pools of radiance which were uh, an old thing they're like divine magic that pool in a in a radiant light it's not it's water but it's All like right, holy okay. water but yeah. it's not holy but you can also get um uh, desecrated pools of radiance like dark pools of darkness and they're they're evil um mm-hmm. and when you go in them there's a random effect it might hurt you it might help you it might make you amazing it might weaken you and i was like well that's a cool little fun thing and i had a character a player who was linked to tear and had all this uh, a bit like was going to get Tears Hammer and have all these fun abilities and have a mission. And I was like, well, let's let's throw that in as well, and then I can use it as a subplot. I can use it as a side quest if I want, and it's kind of cool because yeah. it exists in my world. Then, and I've put it in for me, but I guess as I'm saying this, I realise I've put it in with that mind of, oh, it, also the player will enjoy this, this, and this. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that's a problem because that is sort of an element of set dressing. Like that's yeah. just a, a fact of the world, and the players can choose to engage with it if they want or if they don't. You can kind of present that, and if they if they don't if they don't want it, then it kind of falls by the wayside. Um, but it, it's it's still relevant as an aspect of your world. Um, mm. There are the, there are other things that kind of aren't relevant as an aspect of the world, and they're just player facing things. Like you say, base building is is a really it's a great example. Um, strongholds and followers. You know, that mm. kickstarter that everyone backed and, and I've got the book. I read it. It was, you know, interesting. Got some nice art. Um, yeah, uh, got, <laughs> some good, got, got some, got some great, got some good ideas. Doesn't execute on any of them. I love that we both went the same way there. You were like, it's got nice art. And I was like, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. The thing, 
Okay, it, it's, a, it's a good example of what I really want to say is that I think if you're, intro- if you're making homebrew or, you know, mm. something to, to, to use at your own table or for someone else, um, it, should, it should solve more problems. It should solve more questions than it raises. Yeah. Um, it's no good. It's no good to say, um, you know, here are some bases, um, here are a load of different kind of castles and here's, you know, how big they can be and, and, and here's, you know, how your army that uh, comes with it, stuff like, you know, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's your army. Here's your castles. Here are all these things you can get, but how do you get them? Shrug, ask the DM. That's pointless because that's all the, all the stuff is in that bit. You've just hand waved. Um, and, and I think it really comes down to, you know, what players want for me is agency. And, and that, that is a bit of an exploding overused term these days, but it's, it's really important here, I think, is that players will latch on to things. You know, players latch on to things that they can take the wheel and they can drive it. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was one of the reasons um, you know, for, the, for the Armour's Handbook and, and, and why we enjoyed that particular element aspect of crafting your own upgrades or, or, or that kind of thing. It, it's not a new idea. There was the, the vestiges of divergence and critical role, which, which apparently is something uh, I think maybe that was an idea in 3.5. I, I, I'm a newbie in fifth edition, so I can't really say. Um, and, and those are good ideas. Um, my issue with, with the vestiges and, and systems like that is it was always, you know, here's your weapon in stage one, two, three, four, and five, and it upgrades. Uh, what, what, what's the criteria for it upgrading? You know, how does a player achieve that? And it always tended to come down to um, when the DM decides. And that really takes the wind out of the sails of like a player being, you know, yeah. like wanting it because they're not in control. You know, if, it's like, you've got this thing, you know, here's this, you know, it's going to happen, but you have no power over you. You have no influence over when it's going to happen. It's, it's this other guy sat on the table. will just tell you when you can have it. And you know, that's, that, that's just not nearly as satisfying. Do you think there's a slight illusion or, or suspension of disbelief though? Because in a way, like, so let's, I'm, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I think I think you've hit a nail on the head there a little bit. But there's also that thing of like, okay, I've got a vestige of, of divergence, and and I get it to tier two when I do something meaningful in my story, and the DM will decide mm-hmm. what that is. Okay, fine, the DM decides it. Let's just keep playing until it happens. But then the other side is, okay, I've got my my uh, short sword, and I've given it the uh, the runic tag to put a rune on it, and I'm going to give it the mm-hmm. ability to. I don't know, cast wild magic surges, but I can't quite do that yet. But when I when I have enough money, I'll do it. Which is like, okay, well then it's my agency to go and find the money, but the DM puts the money in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah you've got it. It's the same thing, isn't it? You've you you've you've spotted my cunning plan. Um yeah, it's it's st- everything is still ultimately up to the DM. Um but by introducing that extra that extra kind of intermediary step, um, it somehow feels like now the player's in charge. But yeah, you're completely right. The difference between a, a weapon randomly upgrading at the behest of the DM whenever they feel like it and um, and a, a weapon upgrading when a player finds a particular yeah, ruby or something, which ultimately is given to them by the DM, um, it still feels a lot more like, you know, I did that, which is crazy, um, but it's the truth. Um, yeah, agency uh, ultimately is an illusion. 
Mm. Um, an agency isn't what matters. What matters is the illusion of agency. Uh, players don't need to be in control. Ultimately, they can't be in control. You're the DM. You you put everything in front of them. You set the stage, um, but they have to feel like they're they're having you know their actions have meaning. Their actions mm. have impact. Um, they are influential in the world. Yeah. It's it's interesting um, because I I always think about that in terms of story. I've never really thought about mm, it in terms of mechanic. Yeah, it works both ways. A, a really good example of this is um, there's a, a guy called um, I think it's Daniel Kwan. It was mm. um, from the uh, Asians Represent podcast. He he put a tweet out. Um, he, he wrote a, an adventure in Candlekeep Mysteries, and uh, it was something. To, it was around that time. Um, after he he had an adventure published in that book, and his his tweet was to the effect of, um, "I don't use HP. I, I, I don't use hit points. My monsters mm-hmm. don't have hit points. The fights end when I feel that the um, it's the right moment for the fight to end." Yeah, um, and and it caused you know a storm of controversy. It, it caused a storm of controversy, you know, probably just because it was Twitter, you know. Um, <laughs> and there yeah. was a load of people, a load of people for it, a load of people against it. And fundamentally, my thing was like, yes, I agree with you, but. Um, it's still a game. You can't you, you can't let your players know that. Like every, yeah. I, I don't think there are any experienced DMs out there at all who haven't fudged hit points at some point here or there. You know, to to facilitate the story. I think that's a good thing to do. There have been times when I've had a like a combat going, and it's been focused on a specific character in the party, and I've gone, okay, this it, it would be cool if they get the final hit, and I've waited. Yeah just until their turn, even though the monster died last last turn. Um, But I'd never say that. I'd never communicate that because in the same way that you don't want to go, hey, um, uh, you you pull off an arc and, you know, it it involves maybe a character dying, a player character dying. You don't turn around at the end and go, oh yeah, me and the player planned that the whole time, which is something we said uh, on one of the last two episodes. Um, Because it, it ruins that. It's that suspension of disbelief. It's that, uh, that's why I think I dislike when DMs go, oh, well, I haven't planned any of this. It's like, don't say that. Just wing it, man. Just yeah. do it. Don't don't yeah, break yeah. Just, that just, immersion. Yeah. But I mean, can can you imagine, like, if if there was a, if, if you were a DM um, and, you know, as part of session zero, you, you made it known to your players that, yeah, my monsters don't have hit points to five ends when I decide. Like, as a, as a player, I'd immediately say, well, what's the point in combat then? Exactly. Why should I even try? What's the point in making, you know, at the end of the day, you know, D&D is not a war game, but it's evolved out of a war game. But what's the point in, in, in trying your best in combat when it's ultimately, you know, it, it ends when this other guy says it ends? And um, it also means you know, that, like, when you find that shiny plus one sword, it means nothing. Yeah, not, none of it means anything. Not, if, you, if, you, if you take away the, the game it all becomes a bit meaningless. At, at, at that point, you are just collective storytelling, which is fine. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with collective storytelling. I actually think that every, like, 5e or D&D is, is so popular because it's got such a, such a kind of large and, and, and detailed set of, of player options, you know, mm. things that players can do. Because, um, again, you know, rules facilitate play like what the players can do and and kind of a a a strong rule system is kind of it's a fallback um you don't need the rules to play D&D at all you know to to collect a story to tell a story um but you know if you're not if you're not using game rules you're doing improv and improv is really hard Mm. 
Yeah. Like, can you, even now, um, I can't imagine just sitting down for, you know, just to sit down around the table and say, right, we're just going to tell a story. You know, there are no rules. Just tell me, just tell me what, just tell me what you want to, you know, I say something, you say something, and we just have a conversation and figure out what's happening in this, this thing we're making up. Like, that's really hard. <laughs> it's hard. And, and I think that the thing around that is like having restrictions is not always restrictive like having an outcome having a dice decide something will help you in that storytelling and i think that's why D &D has done so well as a storytelling device because you have a system and and why other rpgs as well i mean it's not just D &D. i mean that's the one that we're talking about today but you know Mm -hmm. i mean we talked about the witcher earlier and there are other ones that exist there but the reason or i should say no, yeah, I, I was on the long run. The reason I like D&D and the reason I like The Witcher is because they have that gamey element to them. Like, I wouldn't enjoy a game that was just roll a dice and it's a yes or a no. Like, I like there to be a game element too. Um, and, and it's important to, I guess, what what you're saying, and I, I think where I'm, well, well, at least what I'm picking up is that it's important to think about that in terms of mechanics as well as just storytelling, which is, it's a good place to be thinking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The dice is your agent of chaos. You know, mm. that's that's its role. Um, but you know, even beyond the dice, you know, you could take the dice out of D and D, and you could still play D and D. It wouldn't. There wouldn't be any randomness to it. Is that so? You wouldn't get the surprise moments, which you know, that's a lot of the magic. But you could still play the game, but just you know, replace every instance of D twenty or you know D six or whatever with just half the result. You know, rounded down. You know, D6 mm. becomes 3, D20 becomes 10. You could still play the game like that, no problem at all. The important thing there is, you know, that the, when it's the players know that the players have a, a set of things that they know they can do. Um, because if they don't have that, then it's everything that they do feels like asking permission from, you know, the DM, this grand arbiter. And, and that's okay. But um, I think uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of satisfaction comes from using the tools at your disposal to, mm. you know, overcome the challenges. That's the game. And speaking of the tools and speaking of dice, uh, and if you if you want to have monsters with HP, you probably will need some dice. You could, I mean, I don't know if you've thought about it, but you could head over to the Dice Dungeon, who are a wonderful place to go if you want to buy premium D&D dice sets made of resin, glass, or metal. Uh, they are very, very pretty. They're very high quality. And they're shipped worldwide from where I am right now, the UK. Not a radio studio, the UK. Uh, that would be weird. Um, so it's always good to support UK uh, other UK people, um, especially with this hobby being A, a worldwide hobby, but B, very American. Let's face it, it is. Uh, if you want to get involved, if you want to go and check out some of the beautiful sets or maybe check out the dice trays or the books, you can get the D&D uh, source material from Dice Dungeon 2, then head over to the description of this episode. There'll be a link and you can use the code WESPECOMMON on your checkout to get 10% off your entire order. We are also brought to you in partnership with Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Describe.com is the place to go. If you're not great at that storytelling element of D&D, if you've got the game side down, great. If you want to describe the monster throwing up, you know, 
bile of fire at your fighter. That was a weird sentence. See, I'm not a, I'm not a creative writer. They are. They've got it covered. Uh, go and have a look. There's tons of scenes for monsters, for spells, for players to read out. That's what players want. Um, and, and other things as well. The list is growing over four and a half thousand at the moment and more on the way. There's loads for free, but if you want access to everything, you can subscribe and use the code COMMON at checkout to get 10% off uh, every month for the first two years. Go have a look. Describe dscryb.com. There's a link in the description below. Uh, okay, let's let's talk about what players want in terms of players because I feel like we've talked a lot about it. Well, we've talked about it broadly, but I feel like it's been more of a DM slant and a creator slant. If I'm a player and I'm sitting down, I'm going, okay, what do players want? I'm thinking, what do I want? And for me, I feel yeah. like... That's a very it's it's obvious, right? That the the conversation should be from a DM side because it's like, what do your players want? How should you prepare? But as a player, I think it's very important to think, okay, what do we want? What do I want? Especially in yeah, session tough. zeros, right? To set like we always say, you don't want to go into a uh, into a high fantasy game and then find out it's actually a horror, like that's and that's not your bag. So, mm-hmm. how do you feel about taking that? and spinning it to that side of the table? What are your thoughts? Um, it's actually a pretty tough question for a player to answer. And, and I think a lot of times that they're, they're not going to know at the stage of session zero. I mean, you know, beyond the, you know, the session zero is really for setting, you know, well, these, this is the, this is the set dressing. These are the rules of the world. Mm. Um, I suppose at that point you can chip in with, you know, well, I've got an idea for, you know, this character or, you know, I, I want to invest, you know, I've got this idea for this story or this character. I want to, uh, I want to be involved. You know, I, I want to perform these activities. And, and that's the point where you can really, you know, that, that's the point where you can introduce any, you know, homebrew or, or whatever. Um, you know, if someone mentions they want to be an alchemist or someone mentions they want to, you know, uh, they want to be a tinkerer, you know, who makes grenades and, and stuff like that. Mm. That's the idea for their character. Um, that's normally something that they'll they'll know they want um, sometimes early on. But other times, you know, things will just will pop up in the game, um, especially with newer players. You know, they, they won't, they will know, um, you know, you'll have a, you'll mention a, you know, and uh, at the end of you know this this story arc, um, we're going to take a you know the the party has two weeks or a month or whatever you know when we kind of jump cut. Um, you know, is there anything you want to do in that time? And it's entirely likely that a player's never thought of that, and that's the point where they'll start asking. You know, well, um, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I train the skill? Can I you know do any of these other things? Um, mm. You know, can I can I craft? some of you know, crafting is, is a really common one that comes up isn't it um and there's nothing wrong with introducing things like that or having that conversation kind of midway through um and and those are those are kind of the moments where you as a dm um you you might find yourself scrambling a bit um mm. because that that the those are kind of the things in the dungeon master's guide um where that book kind of lets you down a bit because um, because a yeah. lot of the answers are well, it's up to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've had many conversations with with players and and long time listeners of the show will remember Joe and I talking about how he always said oh, the rules the rules aren't quite enough. Like I I, I want to know how to stealth. I don't want just a advantage disadvantage. And it's like that's the 
that's where I think 5e is a very good system for kind of being able to tell a lot of different stories. And then, you know, we go away as players and DMs and we go, okay, I'm going to use this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to put it all together this way. And this is how things are going to go down. Uh, And then your player comes along and says, hey, I I really want to be able to create gadgets that fire glass at people. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) cool. Let's make that up. And you add stuff in and you build on top. And I I think for me, my perspective on D&D, and I I think this falls in, I don't know whether I'm going down a tangent here or not, but my kind of go-to with D&D now is, okay, here's a base game that does a lot of different things well. It's a jack-of-all-trades kind of system. I could run steampunk, like in Eberron. I could run fantasy in Faerun. I could do cityscape brawling kind of medieval games in Waterdeep or, or Ravnica. You know, there's lots of different things you can do. I can do gothic horror in Barovia. The list yeah. goes on. But it's also a system that I now come to and I go, okay, where are the bits that I need to add my own flavor in? And that's where things like having the, the armorer's handbook is like, okay, this is a thing that I want to add in to supplement that. And maybe, you know, I've got, I mean, my, my sorcerer, um, class like that's a, it's a, a retake of the sorcerer uses spell points instead of spell slots. And I bring that in now and I go, okay, I think, this is my supplement to make things a little bit different for players and things. Um, and and that's just how yeah. I look at the system now. And I think that comes into the, you know, what do you want? What 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 is it that you're looking for? Yeah. Is it here? Especially when yeah. as well, you, you know, a lot of people talk about saying, you know, I mean, there's a lot of chat about it now, especially with air quotes 5.5. We don't really know what it's going to be called on the way in a couple of years time. Like, do you know what what do you want is this the system you want to be playing i really enjoy 5e doesn't mean i don't go and play others you know i really enjoy the witcher i really enjoy the you know like cyberpunk and stuff like you know the red box and things like that but i really enjoy D. so here i am what do i want i want this specific niche thing okay i'm going to go to that system i want the ability to change it and do my own thing okay i'll come to D. yeah maybe um i i actually i i know that particular question about heard that one quite often which is you know why don't you play other systems it's particularly mm. a common thing to to bring up as a bit of an axe to grind uh in online discussions and in various uh, platforms but i actually think that a large part of the reason people want to play you know that people people might say you know well D is not the best system for xyz but mm. i think most people that want to play D want to play D because everyone else is playing D and they want to be part of that conversation yeah and yeah, you I know, it, 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 it doesn't matter what else you throw at a justification for the systems. You know, that's why people are doing it. You know, everyone was playing, well, young, young people, at least not like me, uh, playing <laughs> Fortnite because everyone else is playing Fortnite. You know, it, it's just that. Um, but yeah, those, those, those things you were talking about, um, you know, the, the armor's handbook, these various other kind of ancillary things, you know, the things you can drop in at, at session zero, the things you can, you know, you can present as an option in session zero. Uh, there are things you can drop in later, you know, if they are requested by a player. But I think it's important to to kind of remember that everything like this that is ultimately player facing, you know, you present it to the players, but you know, they're, they're not, no one's uh, obligated to use it mm. um, as much as you might want them to as a DM. Yeah, um, they are just they are just things in a toolbox, and I do think that's something that the Dungeon Master's Guide is is sorely lacking. It you know it, it it's a great toolbox for how to um, 
how to prepare your adventure in your sessions, how to, how to dress the set. Mm. Um, I think what a lot of people want from the Dungeon Master's Guide as well, maybe if it was a DMG2 or, you know, a Dungeon Master's Toolkit or, you know, something with a similar name, um, is a, a whole book on, you know, if your player asks for X, here is how you can do that. Mm. I think as well um, that the, the trick is that there, there's always going to be something like there's always going to be something that's been is, still yeah. forgotten, um, and and there is a bit of a skill to being able to find those and and run with them and come up with something on the fly or or, or, or you know have something in your back pocket. But yeah, it, I think for me, I, I get where you're coming from, and I see it particularly with law as well. Like I was hoping there'd be more. Feywild law with uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight and there wasn't and, and it's the same kind of thing mm. of like oh I wish there was a rule for XYZ and there just isn't or maybe when like okay let's talk about Gunslinger in this because this is one that comes up people always say like I didn't know if you read that oh I have I have perused um, okay. I haven't like properly sat down and read it it's in my uh, okay it, so I, for the I, audience to be clarified then if you're talking about the concept of a Gunslinger or the class I made uh, we'll talk about the concept first, but I feel like we'll probably fall yeah, into the class. Um, so yeah. I used to be the kind of person who's like, I don't like guns in d and I don't like guns in fantasy. It's not a good mix. And now I'm like, okay, I found the niche where it fits for me at the, at the table. Um, and mm-hmm. it's it's worked quite well. But then let's talk about like, you're, you're sat at the table, you're running a game and a player says, I want to have guns. And you go, okay, maybe I can make that work. Let me look in the DMG. And it gives you like, uh, a table and it's like here's some yeah. weapons and it, off you go they might misfire Ooh, and it's like okay how do I how do I link that into a character how do I link that into a class how do I do this how do I do that and I think that's kind of the fi- the vibe that you're describing of you go in and you go I'm looking for a thing that my player has asked for uh, and yeah. you've not given me enough of it and I'm not sure where to go from here yeah it's a thing we came back uh, I mentioned earlier which is that you know the systems that systems that raise an equal or greater number of questions than they solve are, are not worth not worth their weight in, in anything because mm. um, it, it doesn't help you um, you know if, if, if you start with you know well players ask this question and you come out with you know a, a kind of half-baked solution which answers that question but the answer has a big asterisk next to it saying ask your dm yeah. Then the, the the answer is effectively um, the same. You play as ask up. the DM. How do I do this? And the answer is ask the DM. Well, cheers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so with the gunslinger, then I'm I'm going to run with this because I think it actually fits the the theming quite well. Uh, there's that mixed thing of some people love it, some people hate it. Some people want guns in their yeah. fancy, some people don't. Um, when and and obviously there's enough people to want it because it's a. Uh, it's like a standard thing now. I think I've—I don't think I've yeah. ever run a D&D game and someone's not said, "Can I be a gunslinger?" And I've either gone, "Sure," or "Man, I'm really fit this world." Um, yeah. Where do you think? I've, I don't know. I don't know if this is a question, but where do you think the line of uh, what players want was gunslinger? Where was that? Where did you go? Do you know what people want gunslinger? Because for me, it's got to the point where I get asked once every campaign. <sighs> So my people want it. It's um, a thing. To be, to be honest, I, I think I think a lot of that comes down to you know it. it it's up to the D, you know the DM's privilege is uh, presenting the set, mm. and and depending on your set, you know guns may or may not work. You know mm. if, if you're running a campaign and you know, if you're running Curse of Strahd, 
um, it, it could be that guns don't make sense because um, you, you do kind of have that kind of uh, mid you know, whenever it was you know 15th 16th century you know kind of gothic aesthetic you know maybe you can put guns in there but I don't think you're obligated to um, mm. but uh, but also um, my opinion on it is that you know there's fantasy inverted commas um you know kind of classic D D fantasy it's 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 a pastiche of so much like crap from everywhere like why yeah. not why do people arbitrarily draw the line at this one thing well you say um, that i i've realized that i have no leg to stand on because if i if a player comes to me and says hey can i have guns and i go what no there's magic and swords that doesn't make sense and then the next in the next like hour i turn around and go so who wants to play in space with pirates and whales and exactly. flying yeah. ships it's, yeah it's so strange like you have you have you know there are so many like popular you know popular media tropes yeah um at the, at the end of the day popular media is you know is, is what defines D and whether D and likes that or not um i've often thought that about um keith baker's opinions on guns in eberron Mm. Um, he's very, he's very much against guns and Eberron, um, even though, you know, and, and he says it's, you know, very staunchly, it's not steampunk. And I'm like, sorry, mate. Uh, if, if the average Joe comes up to Eberron, looks at it and says, oh yeah, that's like steampunk. Like you can't push that water uphill. Um, mm. you, you can rail against it all you want, but I'm afraid most people are going to associate it with steampunk and that just is what it is. And mm-hmm. people are going to associate it with, um, you know, artificers firing guns not not arcane ones like that might be your intent but the the popular kind of the the common parallel that people are going to draw is the one that's going to win out yeah Um, it's that thing of like once the art is in the hands of the artist is it really does it belong to them now yeah um i'm trying to remember a a quote from i I was watching uh stream like a, a twitch stream of, of an artist you know some, someone painting because they have like this free um series kind of mini series mm. on painting and, and i'm not an artist i can't do any of it all but i find it interesting to you know hear experts talk about their craft mm. um and and they said a lot of things which would really kind of it wasn't specific just a drawing art it was you know it was being a, a creative you know, and a lot of it applied to, you know, designing, you know, homebrew or, you know, for other games or anything like that. Because a lot of it rang really true to me. And one of the phrases they used there was, uh, the particular phrase was borrowing authenticity. And yes. it was this idea that, like, it was this idea that, um, that, uh, how do I put this? Like, so much of the strength of what you can bring to a concept, uh, comes from what the player already knows um and, and they are going you know anything that you present them they're going to build off their pre-existing knowledge um mm-hmm. so you know if, if you if you present a, it, it, i think the example this guy gave um his name was hardy fowler i think if anyone wants to, to look that up um it was a series on drawing uh, characters like portraits and i think the one i'm referring to specifically was this picture of a dwarf and he was saying like we well, you know i've, I've just drawn he's drawn this really basic sketch of a dwarf and he says right well you know from that 
people, you know, are going to associate with, you know, things like Lord of the Rings. And, you know, they know that dwarves are, you know, stout and hardy and uh, Scottish. You know, I've, I've put this, yeah, yeah. I've put this, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've put this uh, kind of runic type tattoo over his head. Okay. So now people are thinking, you know, all these other, you know, very basic, you know, dwarvish associations. Um, mm. But he hadn't really given the character any particular, you know, he hadn't done a backstory or anything like that. But he said, you know, you almost don't need to. Um, you present the right like picture and the, the the user or the reader or something, they'll fill in all the blanks for you. And and trying to fight against that, you know, the, the automatic filling in of the blanks that everyone is going to do anytime they read anything new is really difficult. You might, you know, what you should be doing is just lean into that. Yeah. Because um, that's kind of what they want. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I get it, I get it totally. I think we've we've probably gone wildly off topic now, but I'm I'm enjoying the conversation. I'm I'm hoping it's uh, it, it has a takeaway. But I think uh, to kind of loop us back around as we we come sure. closer to the tail end of this, um, I told you you need to keep me on topic because I am really good. Oh, at it's it's fine. I've I've enjoyed it quite a lot. And <laughs> this episode's just for you and me, apparently. <laughs> I don't care about the <laughs> listeners anymore. I'm just having fun. Um, so. When going forward, and and I'd I'd like to encourage this conversation, I think out there. Yeah. But going forward, how do you think you would advise people to think about what players want, and 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 not necessarily in a specific term, like not just as a creator, but as as a DM as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I, I would advise I would advise DMs to be aware of the fact that. Um, kind of what their role is and, and what a player's role is and anything, any kind of player facing options, you know, the, the original example was, you know, making inventory meaningful. Um, that is up to the player. You can, you can present something for them. Um, they may or may not choose to use it, but trying to uh, kind of foist it on them is, is it'll end it. If they don't pick up on it, it will end up falling by the wayside and it might cause a bit of frustration. So kind of figure that out. Um, the best thing to do is something like that. Put it in session zero, you know, float the idea and see if anyone cares. Um, uh, long and short. Um, I would say the answer to that question specifically um, of making inventory meaningful um, comes down to agency. Um, mm. If the things in a player's inventory are things that you have just given to them, or you know, it feels that way, um, then they're likely to forget about it. If if it's something that they have had to go through steps to achieve, then they'll probably remember it. You know, if if, if you give them a potion, they'll forget about it. If if they have to follow a set of, if they have to craft a potion, especially if they have to craft a potion following you know a very set of a set of rules that they have had to learn, um, mm. they'll probably remember it. Yeah, um, I think. Uh... For me, what what I'd add is that as I always strive to have good conversations with players in the sense that like I want to make sure that I know how they're feeling about the games all the way through. I like to do check-ins and things. But yes, my thing is, if you find yourself sat thinking, oh, this would be really cool, ask. If you find yourself thinking, oh, I wonder if they want this or what do they want from this experience? ask and it's the yeah. same sense of like if a player comes to you and says hey ben i i'd love to i'd love to be able to you know pick herbs and make potions mm -hmm. can we do that it's okay to say yeah. 
uh, let me think about it. And then if you're drawing blanks, go back to them and say, okay, how do you want it to work? Like, what are you looking for? Because it comes back to that conversation around power fantasy and the story that we want to tell. There's got to be, there's got to be something for both parties, but specifically if they're asking for something or if you're giving them something and you want them to use it, they've got to want to use it too. Yeah. Um, I think I'd say specifically for players, again, that, that previous example was mostly for DMs. For players, I'd say um, really focus on what do you want to do? Um, and that's especially during character creation and, you know, session zero and all that thing. Um, I, I know you've had this uh, this conversation before, you know, about how a, how a backstory is, you know, a kind of a, an essay size backstory or even something much smaller, a backstory is much less useful to everyone than a list of the, unless it's used to build forward. Mm. You know, a backstory is only as useful as you come to the DM or, or you come with ideas of, and these are the things I want to do. Mm. You know, my parents were murdered. Classic. Um, <laughs> fine. That's, that, that's useless unless it builds into something like, and I want to find out who the murderer was. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the money. Um, so what do you want to do? It's so that's so, so don't, it, it almost doesn't matter. Um, you know, who your character is, um, that will, that will, you'll discover that, um, through play and what's important to play is what you want to do. That's what, what system, you know, what tools you want to have in your toolbox. Um, mechanics wise, that's, you know, the, the standard things in your toolbox from, you know, the, the official rules, um, any tools, any, any things you might want to do that, that may not be in the official rules, you know, talk about that because, you know, it, as, as you've said with potions and all that stuff, you know, it can probably sort something out. Mm. And, and if a player wants to do something like that's rocket fuel for you as a dungeon master, um, you know, if, if, if you give players the tools to do the thing they want, the things that they want, uh, you can almost just kick back and watch them do it. And, yeah. and that's really what you want as a dungeon master. You want to set the stage um, and you want your players to go and do things. You know, the, the, the worst experience DMs can have are those sessions where um, you're just kind of twiddling your thumbs and, and your players are just kind of, you have those awkward pauses where it's like no one really wants to know, knows what to do next. Um, maybe because they, maybe because they, they, they don't have specific things. It's like, right now I want to go and do this. Yeah. Um, that's really what you want to give them. Um, and, and, you know, maybe they're waiting on you. Um, but they, they won't wait on you. Um, or they won't nearly be nearly as inclined to wait on you if they have stuff that they want to do and they have the tools to do it. So those yeah. are the two things they can want to do things, but if they don't have the tools to action those things they want to do, they're going to, they're going to look to you to kind of, to tell them how to do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, the things you want to give them and you know, the, the, the homebrew you want to introduce and, and the best homebrew in my opinion are the ones that you can just throw at your players and say, right, that's a rule now. You know, that's how you do it. Go Off nuts. you go. Yeah. And they, they will. And it's the best feeling as well. When you, when you get to that point where you, and I, I mean, I've got to it, where instead of trying to corral them on and get them going, you're trying to rein them back in a little bit and go, okay, we need to, we need to do something else other than this right now. We need to keep the story going too. Um, because yeah. you can just yeah, you, you back, just watch. Relax. Yeah. 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 Instead of, it's instead of like, instead of the feeling of, you know, like, being at the back of the train trying to push it down the tracks because it can see, you know, especially when you're a new DM, it can feel like that. Yeah. Um, 
because with, with a new group as well, with a new group, because, you know, everyone's sort of, no, no one's quite sure, you know, where, who has the kind of, who has the speaker's rod. Yeah, who's um, the leader? So you find, yeah, it's it's a real labor sometimes in DM and, and you do find yourself sort of, you know, almost like kind of corralling sheep, you know, like mm-hmm. really, really pushing the story forward. Um, but if you can, if you can get your players doing stuff, um, they'll tell their own story, and you just you're just laying tracks in front of them, and that's the, yeah. that's when prepping a session is much easier because you know what they're interested in, you know what they want to do, and, and therefore you can predict what they're probably going to do. So just just fill out those bits. What's really nice and, about having uh, a mechanic that puts what the player wants to do first as well is that you get to a point that I'm in where you, you you know you'll you'll be at that point in the story where they can use the rule and they'll go hey Ben I want to do this and I go okay how do you do that and they go I do this this and this and I go yeah that sounds about right go on then and they just do it and they know yeah. how the rule works because they've bought into it and they love it um speaking of which uh that happens a lot with with your rules like I I, I have to say the buy-in Oh, on the on the heavy arm system is is high well, at my table, you. and it was actually very very fundamental to the plans of destroying the crime boss of Waterdeep uh, in the Dragonite storyline. So so well, well we're glad to you hear armed them well. Thank um, you. But uh, look, I, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. But I I need to give you a chance to to tell us what 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 you've done and what you are doing in the in the D and D space. So what have you got going on? Oh, honestly, I. I don't. I don't. I feel terribly guilty. Um, no, plugging no, any of my own stuff. Really, I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling know, the, you to do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the armor, the armor's handbook is the one everyone knows me for. That's that's over on the DMs Guild. You can find that easily enough. Yeah. Um, uh, that's probably it. Was one of the first things I released on the DMs Guild, and it's, it's definitely the last. Um, there's no particular reason for that other than um, the DMs Guild takes fifty percent. Um, and also, they only pay out to PayPal if you live overseas, which is a bit of a pain. Yeah. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd I made my own Shopify store because I've done it before, um, which is where I'm putting out some of my stuff. It's it basically what MCDM does, except obviously much, much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also cursed with this problem of uh, I, I, I won't put something out until I think it's perfect, which yeah. pretty much means <laughs> yes. I never put something out. <laughs> I'm um, yeah. Um, so the only other re- real thing I put out is a gunslinger class, um, and, and, and the and that was you know answering this question that you said comes up every time is you know I want to be a guy that uses firearms. Um, it also helps that I played Red Dead Two and was like I want to run a game in there and that's what I'm doing. Oh right my now. god, it's such um, a good game. Exactly. Um, and, and the idea of that, and, and same with the Armour's Handbook, same with this the Alchemy Almanac, the old one, which you can find on Reddit or Google if you just search for Alchemy Almanac. That's free. It's on Google Drive. Um, really, the answer is when when a when a player asks something, when they when they ask me what do they want, um, I will go and have a look. Um, and if I don't think there's anything that that really answers the question properly, um, I'll do it myself because I'm an idiot. Um, you you are Thanos. You're there, yeah, collecting yeah, and, all the and, and, yourself. Yeah, yeah. And the stuff that I publish is the stuff that is um, is stuff that I think other people would get some use from as well. But yeah, there, there are lots of little bits and pieces and things, but um, that, that we do. Um, but the things that I think you know have a, that, that will be useful for other tables, other DMs, other players. Um, mm. other things that I'll spend the extra time polishing up and, you know, hopefully answer that question for other tables as well. Cause it, for me, it's, it's really is about, um, giving 
a group the answer to that question when a player says, I want to do this, not How? giving them not not giving them a half answer and saying, Well, you know, here are your here are your castles. Um, what do they mean? How do I make them? I don't know, ask your DM, you know, it's it's gotta be kind of an A to Z, um, or A to Z all the way through. <laughs> So cool. you know the, the, the other idea, you know, the armor's handbook, as you've known if you've used it, is, um, and the gunslingers are the same, and everything everything I've published will be the same. Um, is a player can pick it up, read it. It's basically ancillary to the player's handbook. They can use it. It's it's all for them. Everything is there for them to to action it, and all they need to do is show it to the DM. The DM can skim through it, say, yeah, that seems all right. That's why there's an FAQ in the back and all these appendices, basically, to try and convince the DM, yeah, this is all right, don't worry about it. Um, We've done all the testing, it, it works, don't well, worry. Well, exactly, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's not for the DM. Like, I know you don't have the time for all that stuff. Mm. The worst thing in the world is when someone drops, you know, like, hey, I've got, I, I want to use this, this, I don't know, crafting wanna... system or something, and someone drops a 300-page PDF on your desk and says, how about that? It's like, I've got time to read that. <laughs> or, or it's the, uh, hey, I found this really cool class on D&D Wiki. Can I play this, please? Yeah. Yeah. Well, even on D&D Wiki or anywhere else, you know, for me, if, if a class, I, I think I've, I've said it before slightly tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, if a, if a class is more than 15 pages long, like if the PDF is more than 15 pages, I ain't even reading it. Just know. I'm looking at you, Mystic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just the DM doesn't have time to read stuff. So, you know, you really need to make it as easy as possible for the DM to, to just, you know, skim to the, the, the cliff notes at the end, you know, the executive summary that says, is this all right? Um, and then the player can read it. Um, the player can own it. The player can be the one who runs with it. And, mm -hmm. and that's great for everyone. The DM doesn't have to waste the time to, to comprehend and, and all that stuff. And the player has the answer to their question entirely. Very little to come back to the DM and yeah. no additional work for the DM. Um, so yeah, uh, your original question, I've got the Armour's Handbook, I've got the Gunslinger on my website, that's just heavyarms.com. Um, the Alchemy Almanac, the original, the kind of first edition, I suppose, is, is on Reddit, it's linked to Google Drive. Um, and the second edition of the Alchemy Almanac will be out probably in July this year, I'm hoping. Um, again, that's basically pending, basically pending on the art. You know, If the art was, was in in two weeks' time, it'd be published in two weeks. Um, but you know, I probably art takes time. It as it is now, but art, art does take time, and, and also, you know. yeah. Well, look, I will. Uh, I'll keep an eye out for it. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for it, and I'll make sure to pop a link for your website in the description too below to make it yeah, a little bit easier for anyone. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I should course, also mention actually, I've, uh, I've started working. Well, we've been, um, we've been running a Wild West game for a while. Oh, now. Um, okay, and we've been. Actually, it was about was it was it two years ago? God, time is a thing in COVID. When Mandalorian first came out, yes, um, you remember the first? It was only like three episodes or something. But you know, Mando getting his armor, you know, the yeah. best car. And I looked at that and was like, I want that. I want that. Um, I, I want that in D and D form. Um, and the Armorer's Handbook was kind of only a only a halfway house in that regard. Um, and I think we've cracked it. Um, yeah. So I'm really hoping to have a, a kind of, I don't want to call it a second edition Armour's Handbook. It's going to be something much bigger than that. But I really want to put the question to bed um, mm. of crafting 
armor and and kind of it, the armor's handbook mostly did weapons. I think it did it quite well, but armor was a bit kind of hand waved over. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, you know, if we ever have a just a, a, a different chat on this podcast, just about homebrew in general, um, I can go through all the details on that. But um, I think we've arrived at a place now where we can do it, where we can do what we did for um, for alchemy which was, you know, here's a whole big book on potions. This is everything you need to do it. Go run with it. You can make them yourself. Here are rules for gathering stuff. Go do it yourself. Just go away. Um, Amazing. We can do that for armor. We can do that for armor and weapons now as well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, hopefully getting that out probably sometime before 2028. At the, at the pace I work. <laughs> yes, fair enough. I'm, I'm exactly <laughs> the same. Exactly the same. Well, I'm very yeah. excited for that. We have um, massively talked over an hour, but so we've got we've got to wrap it up. But it's been wonderful having you on, and um, oh, it's been great to been great to finally make it. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it again for sure. But a really good convo. Um, look, if you want to get involved with We Speak Common in any way, you know the ways. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook at We Speak Common on Twitter and Instagram. We Speak Common Pod on Facebook. You can find us on Patreon at. We Speak Common is the page and that is the best way to support the show. It gets you access to a private Discord server. You can guest on the show. You can have topics thrown about. You get behind the scenes content, all of that good stuff. If you don't want to support the show via a monetary income, that's fine. I get it. Free internet content. The best thing you can do is to share it with a D&D group near you. Um, cool. Thank you very much for joining me and uh, I, I look forward to to seeing your work as it as and when it arrives in, in 2028. Look forward to finally getting out of the door, as always. <laughs> Alright, thanks for your time, Beth. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thanks for listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support the network in the production of new shows like the one you heard today, head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our Patreon page. You can connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at We Speak Common. The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.